welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew and I'm the lead pastor and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. Fill out that short form online for us and as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed right there. Well, we are at the end of our series of talks called Four Cups. It's based on what we call the four promises of God. So these four promises comprise the DNA of who we are as Radiant Church. They have their roots though with the people of Israel during their days as slaves in Egypt. And these four promises are forever commemorated in the four cups of wine served at Passover. They're found in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. This is God speaking to Moses here about what he's going to do for Israel. Take a listen, all right? Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I'll bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will set you free from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with mighty acts of judgment, and I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. So if you've joined us for the first time, you're probably wondering, what are these four promises, right? So the first promise, just to recap real quick, it's to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. So God's objective here is what's called the promise of salvation. And and he simply wants to get his people out of Egypt. He's not worried about changing them. He'll do that later. First, he wants to get them out. And in this promise of salvation, all God wants for you is to get you out of darkness. You don't have to change your and straighten your life out to get to God, you get to God first, and then you let God change you. But that, that change happens in the next promise, okay? The second promise, which is the promise of deliverance. And so God tells Moses that he'll set Israel free from being slaves. Now, all the Jewish people are known for 400 years of slavery. For them to be truly free, God had to get them out of Egypt, right? And then get the Egypt out of them as well. And that's what he does with your life in this promise of deliverance. He gets the Egypt out of you, and he shows you how to truly live a free life in him. And the third promise is the promise of restoration. So God promised to redeem Israel. Now, redeem can mean a few things, but here we're referring to the act of restoring something to its original purpose and design. And so that's what God wants to do for your life. He wants to restore you back to your original design and purpose. We want to, you know, we want you to live out your uh, God-given purpose, right? Because that leads to this fourth and final promise. It's called the promise of fulfillment. And so God tells Moses that I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. So you'll never know how truly great life can be and how fulfilling it is until you're with a group of people, a community here, okay? Making a difference. And that's what I want to focus on here today. That my hope is you'll leave this talk with a firm understanding that you you were made to make a difference. And in doing so, you actually reach the pinnacle of life. Like you'll find the meaning to life. I know that's a pretty big promise to give you, but I really believe you're going to understand when we're all said and done here today. Okay. So here's the reality I want you to hone in on here. God has always intended for you to live a life of fulfillment. Many people settle for less than God's best for them, but that's not his plan for your life. Okay. So John 10, 10 tells us this. The enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but Christ came so we could have life and live it to the fullest extent. Now, living our fullest life doesn't mean that we live for ourselves or for pleasure, okay? That can actually hold you back from living the kind of life that God has for you. 
So in fact, there's a few key problems here that I just want to quickly address, which will prevent us from living our lives to the fullest. And so as a result, many people settle for less than what God has designed for them. So let's just start with the first problem that we face, okay? The first problem is we let the past cripple us. So if you're driving, looking through your rear view mirror, instead of looking through your windshield, okay? Uh, what's gonna happen? You're gonna total your car, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious. So you, you can't see where you're headed. You, you can't move forward, right, if you're always looking back. And that endangers other people too because you won't be able to get out of their way because you can't see where you're going and you'll inflict all kinds of harm on them and on yourself. And you know, just nobody drives like that. It is so foolish to even try to do that. So why do so many of us try to move forward in our lives by always looking at what's behind us. See, we're living our lives looking at what used to be and what we left behind, what we wish would come back. We end up crashing into new barriers and new conflicts and new pains and hurts. We can't get a handle on where we're headed because we're still stuck in what we left behind. Now, I can't think of any time in my life where this is more relevant than probably today, right? Because it feels like we left so much behind because of the enormous changes we dealt with last year as a society. And I feel for many of you, you wish it could all just come back, right? You want things to come back to how they were. But I got to give you a dose of reality today, okay? It's not coming back. We're moving forward. And some of what we left behind will be ahead, kind of like what it was you know, in the past, but most of it will change. And, it, you know, and it'll be left all out together here. And if we keep looking back instead of forward, we can't navigate and sort through some of the challenges which lay in front of us. And that sets us up for failure and for pain. But of course, others live looking back on past hurts and problems and experiences. And they'll say things like, well, this is just my life, right? It was just a hand I was dealt. I'm here because of what this person did to me. But if you would look forward and move ahead, you can change your circumstances, man. You could choose to not allow the past to hold you as a prisoner and define who you are, that you're not defined by your mistakes and your tragedies and your pain, but instead you're defined by the goodness and grace of God who's leading you forward, all right? And as speaking of being defined, this is where the second key problem tends to come in. We let the culture define us. And if you're not living out God's plan for your life, then whose playbook are you living by? And I'll help you out here, okay? Because if it's not God's plan, it's either the devil's plan, the enemy's plan, right? Or it's a counterfeit plan, which lures you away thinking it can fulfill you. So the counterfeit playbook often plays to your emotions and instead of thinking rationally, you know, we think with pure emotion and convince ourselves that what we're doing is really the right thing to do because it just feels right, you know, even if it isn't necessarily right. So we're told if we simply play along with cultural norms and trends, we'll be doing the right thing, right? We'll be lifting people up and working to create a very safe and equitable and accepting environment. But what if all that work to play along with the cultural norms and trends doesn't actually work, right? What if you're still feeling empty and not fulfilled and you're bitter instead of joyful? See, trying to please people instead of God will always leave you unfulfilled. Even worse, trying to simply keep up with the ever-changing 
cultural norms and trends is impossible. And I'm going to tell you why. We live in a culture which consistently distorts truth and redefines everything. Think about it for a moment, right? Like our culture has defined genders to actually go against science and claim that there are over 40 different gender identifications. Cultures redefined our values. You can't have civil discourse anymore. We, we know that. Uh, you now have to make sure every person believes what you believe. And if you don't, well, you could lose your voice. Now you can lose your job. You can't be someone who freely thinks for themselves. You have to be someone who fits into whatever definition you're you know, demographically supposed to fit into. As defined again by what? Cultural norms and trends. Paul, in writing to the Christians in Galatia, he says this about people who are trying to please God, right? He says this. He goes, hey, listen, verse number 10, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, he says. Not trying to please people. I'm trying to win the approval of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. We don't let the culture define us. We let God define us. And that starts with following him with all of our hearts, and it carries over into our lives, right? And our lives are not to please the whims of people and culture, but to please the Lord, okay? Final key problem we face, and it's a pretty big one, we try to do life alone. So why is this a key problem? Well, because a lot of us try to do life with other people, and we've come to realize people inflict a lot of pain, right? And I'm not speaking to people choosing isolation or whatever. I'm speaking to those of us who will not allow intimate relationships and friendships to take place, you know? We'll let people in, maybe, but only so far, and we put this wall up and keep them at a distance. You know, you can have dozens of friendships, but only have shallow relationships because of your decision to not let people deeper into your life. When we try to do life alone, it opens a door for the enemy. There's always a longer game than he plays. He's not trying to mess up your marriage, okay, for the sake of just destroying your marriage. There's a bigger, longer game he's playing. He's messing with your marriage. Why? So you won't trust anybody again. So you'll be suspicious of relationships and not draw close to anyone and never let someone in your life that close again, right? And so you'll forever try to do life alone and be unfulfilled. Ecclesiastes 4.8 tells a story about a man who didn't have any close relationships and he worked hard and gained wealth, but he was discontented because, well, he was doing life alone. So what's the answer then to these key problems? Well, how do we live this fulfilled life? We, we have to walk in this, this promise, this promise of fulfillment. Now, doing a couple of things here, okay? And, and, and it's attached to the final cup of wine at Passover, which is called uh, the cup of praise. Now, the Jewish word for the cup of pra for, for praise is Hallel, all right? It's where we get the word hallelujah from. One of the definitions of Hallel means to boast joyfully in the Lord. I can't live in the joy that God brings me if I'm not living life to the fullest. So to live a Hallel life is to live in God's joy, and that means that my life has meaning and purpose and is being fulfilled to the fullest. Anything less is less than what God has for you. So the Lord tells Israel in Exodus 6, 7, He says, I will claim you as my own people. I'll be your God. So to live a Hallel life, you've got to find your people, right? Find your people, bro. Find the church community, the group, the right ministry team that you can fit on. You just can't find your purpose and do it alone. You've got to be part of a broader community. God is not speaking to individuals. He is speaking to a nation, a community of people. So you say, all right, fine. i got to find my people. I'm in community. Now what? Well, God says that I'm going to be your God. He partners with you to live out the purpose that he gave you. You're, you're connected to God and others. You're involved in something that God is involved in. And it's at this point, 
I think you can actually discover the real meaning to life. And I know it's a big promise to kind of throw out there and you probably don't believe me, but I'm going to show you here in just a moment. Let me introduce you to a man named Abraham Maslow. All right. Now he was a psychologist who in 1943 created Maslow's theory of human needs. Every person uh, has these needs, right? And, and we all have needs uh, that are necessary and those that bring fulfillment. In fact, he grouped them into two groups of four. So the four necessary needs are deficiency needs. You have to have these to stay alive. So every person has a physical need. You need food and water, a safety need. You need to have protection, right? You ever heard the phrase safety numbers? You have a love need. That's the third need. Uh, you need others in your life, relationships. And then you have a fourth need, an esteem need. You need comfort, compliments, that kind of thing. But remember, there is another group of four, right? two groups of four. Now Maslow called these next four fulfillment needs. And before I get to those, I should place an asterisk on this. He originally only had three in this fulfillment needs study. He had to go back later and add the fourth one. We're going to find out why here in a moment. So the original three fulfillment needs are cognitive, meaning you're accumulating knowledge. That's fulfilling to accumulate knowledge, right? Aesthetic needs, taking in beauty and the arts, that brings fulfillment. And self-actualization. So we're fulfilled when we live up to and realize our full potential. That third need Maslow thought self-actualization was the pinnacle of life. That if you reach that hierarchy, then you had not only discovered the meaning of life, but you began to live it out each and every day. But there was a problem to that initial study because Maslow discovered that, you know what? Humans are behaving differently. Uh, there seems to be a greater fulfillment than just meeting and fulfilling your own potential. And he discovered there was actually a deep human need to leave a legacy, to live beyond yourself and leave your mark on the world. And he called that fourth and and final fulfillment need, the transcendent need. And it concluded the greatest fulfillment you can experience is to live a life beyond yourself. So let's frame it like this, okay? That God wants to connect you with a group of people doing something eternal, which leaves a mark. And he wants to put his spirit all over that, right? Living beyond yourself is the ultimate fulfillment. And it can only happen when you're with a community of people who are connected with God. So how do you live in the promise of fulfillment? Well, first, you have to realize that a life fulfilled in Christ begins with a calling. Every single one of you has a calling on your life. Probably never thought that before, but you have a calling. 2 Timothy 1.9 says that God saved us, and He what? He called us. He saved us, and He called us. Now, what did He call us to? He called us to make a difference. It's why you're here, right? People tend to lose their way when they lose their why. You lose your why, and you'll wander all throughout your life, right? You've, you've got to know why you're here. And I'm telling you that God's purposely placed you here to make a difference, okay? You're standing. I'm, I'm sorry. You're your calling stands on a cause as well, okay? Your calling stands on a cause. So God has more for you than just accomplishments. Acts 20, verse 24, Paul explains how a life is worth, you know, nothing unless we use it to finish the calling God's given us. So do something which makes a difference, he's saying, right? Use your job, use your family, your skills, God's glory to make a difference. This is why you were given these things in the first place. And, and write this down here, people are the difference, right? You're using what God's given you to impact people's lives for eternity and that's what matters. I, I don't want to just dig wells in Africa to be nice. That's not, that's a great cause, but it's not eternal. I want to dig wells in Africa while sharing Christ because people's eternity is on the line. That's an eternal cause there, okay? Here's the third step. And if you skip this one, you can't fully live out the promise of fulfillment. It must spread from me to we, from me to we. 
you got to find your tribe, your team, your place. When you serve on teams at Radiant, if you're in person, uh, if you attend in person here, you're not serving alone. You have an opportunity to develop friendships, to get to know each other and to grow together. We call it the dream team for a reason, because two are better than one, as Ecclesiastes 4.9 tells us. I, I don't know about you, but I want to make a difference with people who want to make a difference too. If you come to church just to get a Jesus fix, right, to check your spiritual activity off your list, and I got to tell you, man, there's more for you than just that. And I want to challenge you to reach for more. Like God has more for you than that kind of life. He wants you to make a difference with people who want to make a difference too. We are, we are young as a church. You know, Radiant is only four months old. I can't believe that, right? But we have a big God-sized vision for the future. We want to plant churches. We want to operate, you know, the right kind of compassion ministries. We want to do missions work. We want to develop a culture where we value making a difference with other people who want to make a difference. You'll never be fulfilled until you make a difference to the people we're also making a difference too. We spent a good bit of time during this series of talks in Exodus where the four promises were, were first given. But make no mistake, Jesus is the fulfillment of each promise. And each promise, remember, it's a cup of wine served at the Passover meal. So let's just end by jumping to Matthew 26 where Jesus is doing what? Celebrating Passover with his followers. Now there are 14 steps to the Passover meal. And the first step is drinking from the first cup of wine. It's the cup of sanctification and it holds the promise of salvation. We talked about this in week two. Before supper, you would drink the second cup of wine. That's the cup of deliverance, which of course holds the promise of deliverance. That's our week three talk. Jesus then breaks the bread during supper. And in Luke's account, we read that, you know, when supper's finished, he takes the cup, right? The cup is the third cup of wine, which is always drunk after supper. When Jesus says, this is my blood, and he's holding that cup of redemption in his hands. And that's the cup which holds the promise of restoration. That was last week's talk. But watch what he says here in Matthew's account. Matthew 26, 29, holding that third cup of wine, he says, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. It appears that Jesus did not actually finish the Passover meal. He did not drink from the fourth cup, which is the cup of praise. And that holds the promise that we talked about today, the promise of fulfillment. But why? Why did he not do that? We well, said it in his last statement that he'll drink it with us when we're together in heaven. We're the bride, he's the groom, Scripture says. Revelation 19.9 says, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Hey, there's going to be a celebration one day. That's waiting for everybody who has said yes to Christ. And on that day, man, we're all going to gather together in God's kingdom. And we'll celebrate together. And that last cup, the cup of praise, will be what we all drink together. The promise of fulfillment will ultimately be experienced in the presence of God with each other for all of eternity. That's a pretty great promise, right? But maybe you're not sure if you'd even be at that celebration. You look at your life and you realize that you don't measure up. You've got too much baggage. You've done too many wrong things. You know, hey, you're in good company if that's you because all of us can relate to that at some point or another in some way or another too, right? We learned in the second week of this talk the promise of salvation and we don't get our lives straightened out to get to God. We just get to God and we let him make everything right in our lives. And so today you can be sure that you'll be at that celebration that Christ spoke about just by getting to God and experiencing the promise of salvation in your life. In a moment, I want to lead you in a very easy two-step prayer to get you started on this journey. But I want to also recognize that maybe those of you who are already Christians out there and you would not call your life fulfilling at all right now. Maybe you've let the past cripple you, culture define you, 
that we try and do life alone. We got to put an end to that today. I want to pray for you to get connected to a community of Christians that you'll understand that you do have a calling in your life. And it has a cause that you need to experience with other people, right? We weren't designed to do life alone. We need each other. We need to make a difference with people who want to make a difference with people, right? God wants that for your life today. So do I. So let's pray here together. Father, I thank you for each and every person who's watching and listening here today. Lord, for those who are watching and they would say, you know, I'm not even sure if I'd be at that celebration that pastor's talking about, but I want to make sure I am here today. I want to say yes to Christ. Lord, for those guys, I'm thankful for them. And the fact that that's you right now, we're going to start that two-step prayer. First, we're going to ask Jesus to be Savior of our lives. You You don't have to repeat after me. You can say it in your own words. But we're going to say a prayer kind of like this. Jesus, I'm sorry for the sin that I've committed. Please cleanse me from my wrong. God, wash my heart. Make me new. Make me whole again. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again just for for my sins and to give me new life and victory. And I pray today that you will save me from my sin. That's, That's making him Savior. And now we move to step two. Step two, we make him Lord of our lives. And we say a prayer like this. Lord, I don't want to call the shots anymore. I don't want to lead myself anymore. I want to follow you. It's not about me. It's about serving you, obeying you, and following you. And so from today forward, I commit myself to making you Lord of my life. I will serve you. I will obey you. I will follow you. God, I am yours today. And if you said that prayer, that little two-step prayer, you're in the kingdom of God. You've made him Lord and Savior of your life. Now, for those of you who are Christians right now, I want to pray for you. That, Father, if there are those out there who, who would just say, man, my life is not fulfilling. They love you. They serve you. But their life is just not fulfilling right now. Lord, I pray that you would, you would get them out of the mess they're in. Perhaps they let the culture define them. And they haven't allowed you to do that kind of thing, Lord. And they don't see themselves as you see them. God, they, they're, they're looking everything through a cultural lens, which is not in step with you as we know right now. Or perhaps, God, that they're trying to do life alone. And, and, they're, and they're, they're, they're trying to make everything happen without anybody else being around them. God, they're discovering that very quickly here, we were not designed to walk through life by ourselves. We were meant to be in community with each other and to have each other's back and have relationships. It's very difficult to do life alone. We'll never succeed that way, and perhaps they're doing that here today. I pray, Lord, that today they will discover the importance of plugging into a solid community of believers, a church community, God, finding their their people in their place where they can do life together with others, Lord. Perhaps you're letting the past cripple them. Perhaps they're looking over their shoulder, God. They're not seeing where you're taking them to because they're just constantly looking at what they've left behind. Lord, I pray you would take the past and shake themselves free from it, God. You, you are not the God of, of just the past. You're the God of the present and the future, right? You know, and, I, and I pray, Lord, right now that they would be living in the present and looking forward to the future and not be holding any more to the past. I pray, God, you'd break them free of that. And may they look forward to the future that you've planned for them, God, into what you want to do in their lives even here today. Lord, you have given us a calling. 
God, you've given us a cause. And, uh, and Father, I, I just pray that we will all stand together in that calling and in that cause and team with others, God, to make that difference uh, in the lives of people in our communities. All of us have been given God-given purposes, but we need each other to make kingdom-sized differences, God, and impacts. So I pray that we're able to plug with another community of believers here today, if that's us, to make that difference wherever we may be. We thank you for who you are and for your son and for all that you've done for us. And we pray and ask all this in your name. Amen. Man, that's, that's fantastic today. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.